Welcome to FedSpeak, brought to you by MI Market News. I'm Jean Young, reporter in Washington. With me today is Brent Meyer, Assistant Vice President and Economist in the Research Department at the Atlanta Fed, to talk about the latest CPI report. Brent, welcome to FedSpeak. Oh, thanks for having me. It's nice to join you. Well, it's a great day to have you because we got a fresh inflation report this morning, again, beating expectations. Headline CPI was up 0.4% after a slow to 0.1% in August. Core CPI jumped another 0.6%, the same as in August, but both headline and core were a couple tenths higher than Wall Street had forecast. And in fact, on a year-over-year basis, core CPI hit a new peak of 6.6%, the highest since 1982. So how surprised were you this morning to see this report and how worrisome are these numbers? Oh, these are great, great questions. You know, I might start by saying it's not necessarily a great day because we don't like seeing reports like this. As far as whether or not I was surprised, I guess I have a different view than I think a lot of market analysts and economists that are paying attention to these CPI reports. I kind of view the environment that we're in as a very high inflation environment. And once, you know, once we got through the early stages of the pandemic and and these price pressures started broadening out beyond the supply chain constraints and and other pressures into the broad basket, this becomes persistent. So I think over the last maybe 10 months or so, we've seen at least 60% of the consumer market basket by expenditure weight has been rising at prices in excess of 5%. So there's a lot of broad-based pressure. The notion that that pressure is is all of a sudden going to alleviate over a couple of months period, I I, I don't think that's the right way to think about the environment we're in. So this sort of notion of peak inflation, I think, is is the wrong narrative. As we saw this morning with the core CPI on a year-over-year basis, you know, rising above its previous peak uh, uh, from earlier in the year. We're in an environment where inflation is very high, broad-based price pressures. We're seeing it everywhere. This is likely to be a persistent issue and not something that, you know, even if the year-over-year core CPI dipped back below six, it's not clear to me at all that that's all of a sudden going to decline back down to price stability in somewhere around two, two and a half percent in a reasonably quick way. I actually don't think that there's much evidence that that's going to be the case, especially if you look on uh, the services side of what happened this morning and what's been happening over the last you know year or so. This has become entrenched. The likelihood that you know inflation is going to all of a sudden come back to price stability in a in a very short time period. I, I don't think that that's a reasonable guess. That makes sense. This morning we saw that the core goods inflation was nearly flat, while core services, on the other hand, accelerated to 0.8%. A lot of economists seem to have seen that coming. There's a narrative out there that consumers are spending more on services now and less on goods. Is that what you expected to see, or is that even stronger than we should expect? I guess I wasn't surprised by that at all either. I I think that that rotation back uh, away from goods and towards services spending in the marketplace makes a ton of sense. I I do think, though, that focusing on these sort of salient relative price increases, it it sort of misses the the mark on on really what's happening. I mean, these price pressures have become broad-based, impacting all facets of how we live at the moment. And this month's a great example. 
We saw core, core goods prices were almost flat, but yet we still see the core CPI running at six tenths on a non-annualized basis. This is the environment that we're in where we're going to, we're likely to see these uh, sharp pressures continue, especially on the services side. And even though that there are some relative price uh, alleviation in, in, in core goods, I don't think that that's, that's sort of missing the whole narrative around the broad-based inflation pressures. Would this report cause you to revise up your inflation forecast for the year or for next year? If I was doing a numerical forecast, yeah. It would cause me to revise up maybe a, a couple of tenths on what we're likely to see by the end of the year. As far as the whether or not this meaningfully changes the theme or the narrative around what I was thinking, and boy, I really should have started with these are my views and mine alone. They don't reflect the Federal Reserve System or the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. No, I, I, I don't think that this is meaningfully shifts the forecast that I had previously. And again, I think that forecast is sort of predicated on what, what we know about once high inflation becomes entrenched, it's likely to stick around for, for a while. I think this, this kind of goes back to the 70s and 80s period, the great inflation period. And it's something that we're going to keep an eye on. So even if over the next couple of months, we see something come in a little bit softer, that's not a time frame that in my mind, would shake me from still believing that we're going to be in this persistently high inflation regime for a little while. Interest rates have headed much higher this year than people expected at the outset. And that goes hand in hand with the high inflation reports that we've had. Uh, Yesterday, the Fed minutes of its September meeting noted that aside from housing, there's not much evidence that the higher interest rates were bringing down inflation in different sectors of the economy. Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. So you can go back to that great inflation period and examine that. And then you can think about the long and variable lags, that, that phrase that policymakers bandy about. It's predicated on the notion that it takes some time for changes in the stance of monetary policy to filter through into, into the pricing mechanism, into inflation. We've done some work here at the bank. A colleague of mine, Federico Mendelman, and I have a macro blog out on this. The notion is that the last real effect you're likely to see from increases in the Fed funds rate or a change in the stance of monetary policy, inflation is the last thing that happens there. You see real side effects first, and then our best guess based on previous research by Ben Bernanke and others is it's about a, about a year to 18 months before you really see the forceful impact of previous policy moves on the trajectory of inflation. I still think we have a, quite a bit of time before that really starts to show up. One category that rose a lot this morning, among others, is the shelter inflation category. But given that rents and owner's equivalent rent is lagging as an indicator, and we have some private housing price data out there uh, suggesting that we're actually seeing some declines in shelter prices, do you expect that category to moderate? This research is really interesting, uh, looking at the way that the BLS price series for rents and owner's equivalent rent are constructed. They're constructed in a lagging way. You know, a lot of the research points to that peak correlation between market rents like the CoreLogic index and, and some others and these OER and rent indices is something like a year, maybe even a year to 18 months of a difference. That was one thing that kind of was surprising to me in the report, if I'm being honest. I'd never thought we'd see 
a 10% increase in, on an annualized basis and in, in OER, well, really ever again. So there are two things here. One is if that previous correlation holds between market-based trends and what the, the BLS series, we're likely to see that soften as we move through next year. I don't think there's, there's much uh, evidence that would suggest that that's going to be over the next couple of months. But the broader point here is even if you exclude shelter prices, what's going on in services is still really, there's still a lot of broad-based pressure. Uh, and that broad-based pressure is, is well outside what's happening with rents. Mm. On that topic, the Fed has a number of alternate measures of underlying inflation, including trim mean measures, sticky price CPI out of the Atlanta Fed. What are those measures telling you about inflationary pressures? I've had the good fortune to work on, on these measures for almost the entirety of my career. Uh, I was at the Cleveland Fed for a long time, putting together the median and the trimming CPIs. Before I left there in 2013, we had spun up this uh, sticky price CPI. Those, those measures are telling you the same thing that just by looking at the broad-based price changes that we're in this sort of high inflation environment, the broad swath of consumer prices are increasing at rates, you know, greater than 5%. And that's reflected in these alternative measures. So I think they're all really telling you the same story at the moment. Part of the value of a trim mean approach is basically it's ordering all the price changes in a given month from its lowest price change to the highest. And it's sort of ignoring uh, or excluding what's happening out in the tails of that distribution. In a low inflation environment, that's pretty great um, because it eliminates sources of noise because we don't typically think a large increase in one relative price category or a large decline in one relative price category is truly reflective of that broad swath of inflation pressure. In this environment, they're all sort of saying uh, pretty much the same thing. Uh, and they're very useful indicators going forward as we anticipate seeing some more of these uh, relative price pressures alleviate in uh, supply constrained areas. Mm-hmm. Is there much evidence of that, of uh, supply chain disruptions going away and having an effect on our prices? You know, uh, this is something we've anticipated seeing here, this, this sort of uh, some movement um, between what's happening with aggregate demand and aggregate supply. And, and, and we didn't, we'd been anticipating, or at least I've been anticipating, some further improvement in what's happening in supply. And, and I can tell you, we have a group, our regional economic information network, and they go out uh, and they chat with business owners face-to-face and through some of our, sur- our business survey evidence. We have yet to see that the facts on the ground are, are changing much for these firms. So these firms still anticipate cost pressures to continue for quite some time. I think in our last iteration of our CFO survey, which we operate in partnership with the Richmond Fed and Duke University, we asked some special questions around this. And and folks, for the most part, anticipate seeing these unusually high cost pressures continuing at least through the next year. Mm. Uh, So that's sort of concerning. So to answer your question again a different way, I don't think we've seen the sort of improvement in disruption that would lead to lower prices, you know, feeding through the basket. Right. I should mention that you also head up the Atlanta Fed's Economic Survey Research Center, which puts out a number of surveys, such as the Business Inflation Expectation Survey, Survey of Business Uncertainty, CFO surveys, among others. 
What do we know about how businesses are factoring inflation into their pricing decisions at this point? Yeah, well, I think it's front and center at the moment. And I think you can see this uh, directly when you look at our business inflation expectation survey measures. So this is different than expectation measures that try to capture an, an aggregate inflation expectation. Our question design focuses on costs, on unit costs in particular, because we think that that's a salient driver of price changes in all environments, in high inflation environments and low. And what we're seeing out of that measure is still persistent, elevated cost pressures running through the next year. And even in our longer term measures, uh, those are quite elevated from where they were prior to the pandemic. I think firms in general are reacting to the situation that we're in and anticipating a lot of this stuff is, is going to continue. What would lead you to think that the dynamics are changing on inflation? Is it when we see the economy turning over and a lot less economic activity than before? Yeah, I don't want to joke, but I'd say talk to me in about a year. We'd want to see some progress, um, or at least I would want to see some progress on closing that gap between where demand is and where supply is at. On both sides of that, I don't think we've seen much progress yet. That would uh, give me some hope that these price pressures will stop feeding through the the economy in the, the speedy way that they're doing now. And again, I don't think we've seen much evidence that 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 has yet to be the case. Is there any good news in this morning's report? You're asking the tough questions. (laughs) Boy, I don't want to end on a no. (laughs) (laughs) I think it'll be at least a few months, if not six months, before we can really start and say with any certainty whether or not we're starting to see good news. I really believe that. I think it's going to be some time before we start to see the impact of not only what the changes in the stance of monetary policy are are likely to play out on inflation, but also um, whether or not we're seeing uh, significant progress on disruption and increases in supply and then tamping down on on aggregate demand. I think it's going to be a while before we see that. Maybe the good news in, in this report is still a ways out. Thank you so much, Brent, for being with us. All right. Thank you.